This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Namai, Hari Mai, Kiora Tanakwe, Free FM 89.0. It's a Sunday afternoon. It is February 20. 2022 how's your day going it's a miserable old day outside just take it easy and uh, wrap your arms around the radio or whatever listening device you are listening to Mel Driscoll is in the building well near in the building so um, we'll be joining him very very shortly but let's take a look back at February 20 1962 60 years ago today American astronaut John Glenn the first American in orbit aboard Friendship Seven, orbiting the Earth three times in under five hours. Glenn, who later served in the Senate, a former World War II Korean war pilot, there were hitches in friendship, like a loose heat shield. Asked how he felt rather, sorry, asked how he felt after the flight, Glenn replied, excellent. John Glenn died December 8, 2016. And on the charts... That day, February 20, 1962. FM 89.0, independent community media. That is, of course, a Neil Sadaka breaking up is hard to do. If you're listening in Wellington today, this protest is getting out of hand. Using 
a cenotaph and angering the um, angering the old the old soldiers. They're using they have been using it as a toilet, etc. etc. Defacing it. Boy, is something gonna something is brewing right now in Wellington. But that's another day, another talk uh, fest about that. It's a quarter to one, and uh, shortly we'll speak to Mel Driscoll. I've been going through some CDs this week, looking at tracks I haven't heard for a long time over the next few weeks. going to dig them out and play them to you on a Sunday afternoon. I found a guy called um, Tony Joe White, who um, he was... Um, he was born on July 23, 1943. He died 24 October 2018. He was known, of course, as the Swamp Fox. And this is Tony Joe White. And this song I haven't heard for many, many years. It scared me as a kid with some of the uh, themes in it. The High Sheriff of Calhoun Parish. <laughs> Why said I'm the sheriff of Calhoun Parish Not to ever touch his daughter Anna Lee Far to look at her with lustful eyes was certain To get you time in the penitentiary It was true she was quite voluptuous it was true, she had eyes for me Then one night at a dance she walked up to me And asked me would I meet her down by the creek oh. As I listened to her dangerous proposal I thought about the high sheriff catching me As I shook my head and quietly left the party I heard her laugh and say, you'll be sorry Then there came up on my door a loud disturbance I opened it to the sheriff and his deputy he said, son, did you molest my daughter? Uh, I said, sure, if I do not know of what you speak. Well, he grabbed me roughly by the collar and flung me sprawling out into the street. There were days in the jail with claustrophobia and all on count of that wheat and a leaf Well, I finally worked the bar loose from the window Made my way into the woods of Calhoun Late that night I came up on a cabin It was the home of Hiram Cross, a friend I knew Y'all mind if I sit down at your table Cause it's been a while since I've had time to eat And I 
pay y'all back when I'm able. But right now the high surf is after me. FM 89.0 Independent Community Media Scary Voice The late Tony Joe White And the song that I heard as a kid Is called The High Sheriff of Kowloon Parish We might fit another um, track from that guy a little later Good afternoon sir Good afternoon It's today that Up in Whangarei Has launched an exhibition that is going to be long lasting It's an art centre it's the distinctive art of the Austrian Freidensreich Hunterwasser is preserved for posterity in the Hunterwasser Art Centre, officially opened in Fangere today. Oh, the fundraising that went into that. Goodness me, the public had been waiting for about 30 years for this after the North learnt of the somewhat exclusive uh, art of Hunterwasser and now it's embodied in a memorial to him and it's the only such centre celebrating Hunterwasser's work in the Southern Hemisphere, we're told. As we children, we strive to make sense of moving clouds and colours from our baby bassinet looking skywards, we see in a wakeful moment the clouds change shape as they cross our field of vision. As patterns emerge, it fires our artistic imagination we're on the way to becoming young artists with our own ways of experiencing colour, texture and form. One who's well qualified to talk about that is Carolyn Longdon. Welcome to Cosmopolitan News and Views, Carolyn. Thank you. Thank you. So what do you say about art appreciated in ways that possibly the very young can't even communicate to us? Yes, well, it's an innate, innate desire and need and essential for us all, we're human beings, um, to create. Um, we're the only animals who do, and it's an essential part of life, life force, that we must um, create. It's um, an innate um, need and um, prime, almost primal that we, we really, really must create. And giving children the space to create is um, the most important um, thing we can do for them. And um, education systems educate, but um, we need spaces and children need to be given, given the space to create. And of course, creativity falls into all sorts of aspects as well. You know, um, as we, we all know, um, I think painting is initially um, you know we used to paint on the walls in caves um, <laughs> but of course music and dance and indeed every um, career potentially started by the um, 
creating and experimenting and playing to an extent with, um, you know, in, in our childhood with the ideas that came into our into our heads. I mean, I think even a surgeon um, had images in their head of the human body and had a chance to, to um, think and play and discover. Um, uh, scientists, you know, we all had to um, to play and discover with, with um, cr- our creativity somewhere. And if we close that off, we close off the possibility of young people in our country. And that is a crime. So <laughs> is there a risk that we will, by being interfering adults, somehow diverting or even destroying children's natural aptitude for art? Absolutely, it's going on every day. Absolutely, absolutely. We've, we've done that. And the results are catastrophic. The front page of the Herald today, anxiety epidemic. Um, every, everybody needs... Um, a place to um, experiment and create and play and indulge and and sit quietly and listen to their thoughts and and put thoughts to paper, you know, thoughts to paper with crayons, paints, pens, music, you know, and and it's not just paper. So we really, we don't respect um, the children's needs and desires and it's, um, it's even, you know, potentially hard for them to articulate you know, what's going on in, inside them. I've got, had the um, privilege to be able to provide art books to children um, in need in the Waikato. I noticed that they were given um, $7,000, you know, worth of Christmas presents to the, there were 700 children last, um, this year, um, removed from their homes or cha- changed homes, going to other homes, grandparents and foster homes. And, um, they were all given Christmas presents, and you know everybody loved donating to to them. I would like the children to all be given an art book, and I'm working on that project at the moment. That um, each of those children are given from the ages of seven to seventeen, given a hardcover um, book, blank pages. It's an art book, and some pencils. And there are a crew of people making a satchel for each one of these to be given to each child. That's picked up and taken to another another home they they're picked up and taken with only the clothes they stand and not even a toothbrush so there's a charity of people who are providing these things and i'm wanting them to be provided with an art book well it's a long time since i had a box of crowns in my hands but hey the kids get very inventive and uh, sometimes they end up um, drawing on them on their faces that's a good idea as well why not why not <laughs> if, if, the, if, if the crown stuff can come off afterwards, and um... doesn't matter, play, <laughs> fun, play. fun, fun, fun. Let them play. Let them play. Let them experiment. Draw on your face as well. Oh, get out some paints and do it together. Do it as a family. Sit down and play. Let them paint. Give them something to paint with. <laughs> and it. there lies there lies a danger, surely, Carolyn, because. I think we've all experienced how a group of preschoolers or primary school children uh, sitting down with those accessories to art, the necessities, uh, the urge for one to imitate others runs strong. Uh, One dinosaur begets a legion of like forms as children observe each other at work. Is it a help or a hindrance for children to engage in art as a group or independently? We have 
the most magnificent human beings in this country. And some of them are aged seven and eight and nine years old. And they have the answers. We all stand around saying we're looking for the answer to climate change and the housing crisis and anxiety. We have the answers. There is an answer being born every day. These young people are magnificent young human beings and they deserve to not be treated as annoying and mischievous and misbehaving. They deserve to be treated like magnificent human beings they are and be given the paper or the paint or the, the garden, the tools to plant or grow or design or play or or some of these children who are given this book will write a novel. They will fill that book yeah. in five minutes. There's a novel in their heads. Yeah. There's, a, there's a song. They'll be writing songs. They'll be designing. You've got young architects, engineers. They are all sitting in front of a screen because it's easier and because they won't be being a nuisance to us. We need nuisances. We need mess. And uh, we need a place for them to be allowed to do that. Are you a big kid yourself? We all should be, because that's the way anything gets done. It's because we believe and dream and imagine and make sure it jolly well gets done and we keep doing it until we die, because we have to. We have the passion to make sure things get done. What, what, I'm a member of the New Zealand Children's Art House Foundation, and they have been providing safe places for children to gather after school in small groups one day a week. They're called art clubs. And these books I'm giving out to children, they will be able to join an art club. It has to be an online one, a virtual one at the moment, yeah. where they can communicate with each other because the isolation is killing them. The isolation is absolutely shocking. But if you've got amazing talents and stuff screaming inside you that needs to needs to be released somewhere and you get a book and you can do it and you've got a, a bit of time it says in the book to take 10 minutes a day to write in your diary every day to do something some kids will be on it the whole time because the stuff will just spill out of them but the spaces we need to provide is providing more children's art houses around new zealand and i'm passionate that these be um developed in every single village in new zealand we need communities to know about them so that they can get together and provide a sacred space. It has to be only for children, just for children. No yep. adults, it's not part of an adult's um, art, you know, the corner of the pottery room or something. Yep. One, yep. one, one form of art I did at primary school was lino cuts. We had the little... Yep little chisels he had or he had the rollers you had uh, ink going from one end of the desk to the other that would be fun for kids too yes well they do that children's art houses if you go to arthouse.org.nz that lists all the things that children do in art houses now if there's families around new zealand that want their children to have access to that then sit down and work it out with a group in your village Mm -hmm. And we'll come and talk about it. We'll coach you through it. But you need to provide um, a safe place for your kids to meet after work. It might be someone's double garage. It, it could be they children meet in the most bizarre of places. But it has to be um, in some places, in cases, it's a, it's a, a shop in a, in a town, in a village with a 
um, a landlord who'll let them let them use it, and yep. then they get evicted and move on and move on and move on because nobody funds children to have access to art. Yep. And ideally, I want children's art houses around New Zealand where they don't even have to pay. They don't even have to pay a fee to come yep. um, every week for the term. It's fifteen dollars a day. Yep. It's one hundred and fifty a term. I want it to be free for every child to have access to art materials um, in New Zealand if they want it. It's, well, it's not everybody wants it, but you, the ones that do should have it, I believe. You 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 do sound like Hudden Vasa. Well, I want to buy a castle in Tirao, and I think it should be called Children Vasa, because it's for the children of New Zealand to have a place, a stake in the ground. We need a place for the New Zealand children's art collection, and there's a castle for sale in Tirao. I only need 1.8 million or something, so please come and help out. You know, my my um, contact me on my website, theartofcolour.co.nz. Contact me and help me buy that castle. It's going to have it's got six acres around it. I want a children's art park right plonk in the middle of New Zealand. It's a beacon for children around New Zealand. It'll have exhibitions of children's art and a children's art house there. We will train children's art house coordinators because each children's art house around New Zealand will need a trained coordinator. And that is our place yep. we're going to have to say, children, you are worth something. Every child in New Zealand can look up to that and go, we've got our own Vasa place. We've got our own magical place where our creativity is respected and we'll have wetter workshops doing workshops there for children. We'll have just any amount of creativity, music, dance, every workshop we can think of, and we'll find a way of getting the children from around New Zealand to attend those workshops. Yep. What, what about what about a few llamas in the back in the in the out there too? Well, we'll have to have people to look after all that. <laughs> <laughs> the property has a three-bedroom house. I've got the children's art house coordinator will live there. Um, it's got an 11 by 6 metre shed that can be the lion's shed or whoever wants to help um, maintain the property um, 6 acres of arboretum we'll have to plant it, we'll have children design that children will design what's going in the castle what we put where it used to be a, a museum in there that'll be the exhibition space yep. for children's art and children's artwork from around New Zealand will be um, displayed and exhibited and people can visit from around New Zealand and around the world. We'll actually have international art as well yeah. because we're a member of the International Child Art Foundation. Mm. And the International Child Art Foundation is petitioning the United Nations at the moment for more access to art and creativity for children because they're isolated and suffering around the world as well as in New Zealand. Are you, are you going to attempt to keep, when it gets underway, try and keep all these uh, young minds socially distanced and the masks on, etc., etc.? No, that'll be all over. That's all over. It'll be a showcase uh, where we can, as adults, appreciate the skills, talents and dreams of, yes. well, maybe our youth as well. Yes. Well, you can look at it and, and admire and... and you know, remember your childhood. But <laughs> <laughs> What's going um, past there? You have to. Oh, uh, street I live in. Very creative engineers in the street. <laughs> Working in the rain. Yes. It's um, not particularly artistic, though. A trail of rubber, I suggest. No, but 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 
if you have a passion for, for vehicles, for motors, you have to do something with it. And you haven't got anywhere to play yeah. with motors, have you? Who, yeah. What children do? Well, 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 you what, want a place yeah. to play, so we have to provide them a place to play. Otherwise, they play and go out and drive the bloody thing and kill themselves. <laughs> well, was you it have to have a place <laughs> to play. Was it in Pataru or Tirau they had the, the uh, corrugated iron sheep? Are they still there? or they weren't, yeah. they weren't they gone or something like that? No, they're fine. They're there, and that's in the village where we're going to purchase the castle there. That's oh, the castle you've, you've, got to, you've got to keep the sheep because Pataru, Tirau, very artistic, of course. And uh, I know. Well, we have a children's art house in Pataru run by a beautiful woman who's a, um, a teacher. She teaches during the day, and then she goes home to... to um, encourage you know uh, 12 gorgeous young people to um, produce amazing artworks once a week two or three nights a week and you know she's been kicked out of the venue she was in in a um, disused building and of course the landlord said no he's got somebody else in there now so they pack everything up and move on again we have to have funding for children to have a place to go after school to meet other like-minded young people and do what they have to do, they have to do it. It's a primal urge, they have to do it. And they will put on exhibitions and they have to know that they, they... I would like them to not even have to pay. I think every child... Teachers know, the teachers know the children who are who are um, exuberant and, and, you know, Taika Waititi said in his speech the other day, you know, <laughs> Um, not bad for an indigenous boy and he got to go to an art house he got to go to a place after school where he could be crazy <laughs> he could do his stuff and, and he's not being squashed so, he has to have a place to go so are you going to open up a give a little page I could do that I if you that. these workshops that you advocate to inspire youth in the arts, music and dance, television and film and sculpture. Do schools do this? Um, no, schools don't do art anymore. They really have little... They have, they have pictures and you have to fill in the gaps because everybody has to, to fit the criteria. And look, not every child likes art or, or has... You know this particular passion some of them are going to be rugby players and that's their fire in their belly you know and there are absolutely amazing geniuses out there who are being squashed and by the time they get 15 16 17 and they haven't utilized you know they haven't found an access for it well those sometimes they decide not to hang around anymore and that's not fair because all it is you know um a chap died the other day at the age of 30 and they found the family found the writing and the drawing and the and then nobody knew nobody knew because it's not the thing to do for a young man to to be creative and and write novels and poetry and everything and it was all hidden. Well, yeah. well, we in, in the past we've had geniuses like um, Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci and others, and Picasso and yeah, we we might find another Picasso somewhere. Well, we were. Well, we've got them. We've got a country full of them. We were, we appreciated the arts mm. um, more then, and now it's um, it's it's squashed. And there's there's young artists out there who are 
got it. They've got it in their belly. They've just got it sitting there, and uh, they haven't got you know they're poked in front of a screen because it's just easier to well, entertain yourself with a screen instead of entertaining yourself with your hands. You used to have to use your hands and create music and dance and have fun. Hey, there's well, an idea. I, there's 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 something on screen that people should get look at. It's um, on Parliament Television. They're showing a collection of Wellington paintings when Parliament Television is... Um, and some of them are from well-known artists. I think uh, some someone should point them to what's happening on Parliament Television. Yes, yes, yes. Well, we need um, child child art television. We don't even need television. We need them to have art in their homes and a place to meet up with each other after school. So... I'm looking at getting the art books um, around New Zealand um, given to kids um, and I'm looking for um, $1.8 million to buy the castle in Tirao and um, I'm looking for children's art houses to be developed in um, villages around New Zealand if you think you've got a space and people who've got artistic um, they, they know about art and they're prepared to um, let the children do what they want to do and just encourage and coach. Nobody's a teacher. The children teach us. Those children are teaching us. Where, where can we contact you? Where, where can people contact you? Um, my um, web page is theartofcolour.co.nz mm-hmm. and there's a contact. You can find my email address on that. Mm-hmm. Carolyn at theartofcolour.co.nz I'm a colour consultant I know about colour I know about colour for people for their clothes and how to put it all together the energy of colour and how it resonates with the energy of your body and I know about the energy of colour and how it resonates with your house and can make your house a much more peaceful place hey would you like that (laughs) (laughs) if you use colour and you don't just have a black and white house because I think the last 20 years has caused depression in the country because of the colours that we choose, the fashionable colours we choose to paint our houses. How about we do it differently? And where and when was it, Carolyn, that you appreciated that you had some latent talent that just was crying to get out in the way that you express yourselves both in your consultancy and in the project to raise so much money in order to give children a base for their own art? Um, I was lucky to be brought up on um, a 400-acre playground, so I got to play... um, Anyway, I got to play just building and creating and, you know, um, so that's that's fortunate. the second part of your question, I didn't quite catch that, something about the money to... Just emphasising that it doesn't come easy, it needs planning, it needs adult intervention at that stage it is established. It's Once it's there and exists and there's proper supervision, then the children can be expected to have free will. Well, they've already got the free will. And we've got children's art houses around New Zealand... Um, Anyway, we have got some, and there are some fortunate children being able to to um, channel their energies in those places. Um, but there's an opportunity to to set one up, as I say, in every every village in New Zealand. And there's 
truckloads of funding for children in sport and, you know, um, adults in sport, adults in art. But what about um, for children's art? And that's where, you know, it's very easy to tap into lots and lots of funding. We're forming a trust um, to purchase the castle and to um, allow us to um, promote children's art houses around New Zealand. So that's all um, in the pipeline. Uh, and I started off initially with also with getting these um, art books immediately. The children need art books immediately. Go out and buy an A4 hardcover, white page, blank pages, book for a child in your neighbourhood and a packet of pencils and that's their daily diary and contact me and I'll give them the um, panel that goes on the front page. It's a sticker that goes on the front page of the art book and it says the daily diary of. You tell me the child's name and I'll type it in and it says my thoughts, dreams, wishes and great experiences. The two rules of the Children's Art Club is to love art and be kind and under it it says I spend 10 minutes each day in silence if I can with this book and that's a mantra for children. I, I, I suppose when you, we've finished this interview, you'll be getting your big art book out and you'll be uh, get your crowns out and your pencils and whatever and have, have some fun for the rest of the day. I'm going out to my, uh, my studio and um, hanging drapes, actually, and cutting a blind down to size for to fit in it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> great stuff. And you've got yeah. my studio. And you've got some music playing in your little studio, so you... And I'll have the music playing. The next, the next thing is to get... Um, samples of bricks and roofing tiles and aluminium joinery that they use to build houses at the moment. All the materials available, put them into piles of which ones resonate together and the paint colours that go with them so we don't have to continue building black and white and beige houses in this country. How about a paint colour? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I could see you looking for these old bricks. You'll be you'll be touring some of the old tips and looking through the people's rubbish to look for these, this stuff. No, I, I get invited to people's beautiful homes and help them create beautiful spaces inside their homes. That's fun. That's good. That's my, my mission. Carolyn Longdon. Distinctive art. A wish for children to express themselves. The need to provide the facilities and raise the money to do so. That sum it up. Yes. Hey, we'll ca hopefully we'll catch up with you in a few weeks just to see how the campaign is going. All right, please do. It's please it's, do. A, it's a pleasure. Have a have a great Sunday afternoon and hope it's sunny wherever you are. Yes, thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye, -bye. bye. Yes, colour and the colour when it came to television in New Zealand. Those old black and white sets went out, and we could see the colours of the sets on your favourite series that started in black and white and then came into colour and we saw Buddy Epson, Mark, uh, Max Bayer, Donna Douglas and the late Irene Ryan. Yeah, I'm talking about... Yeah, no, I am talking about the Beverly Hillbillies. Remember them? To my story about a man named Ted Poor mountaineer barely kept his family fed And then one day 
day he was shooting at some food And up through the ground come a bubbling crew All that is black gold takes his teeth
89.0 year the late Tony Joe White and Polk Salad Annie. Also a big hit for, of course, Elvis Presley. We're just trying to bring you the latest uh, rates of COVID-19 in the country today. But I've just been reminded of a piece of history that happened on February 21, 1879. The Kai, uh, Kaitangata mine disaster, which left 34 dead. So down in the South Island, that is where Kaitanaka, Kaitanaka, Kaitanaka is. So that happened this day, February 21. Well, of course, remember the, remember the map on the series Bonanza, which um, burst into flame, first saw that in black and white, and then it came into pure colour. Talking about art. Here we go.
FM 89.0, independent community media, the most famous, well, one of the most famous television themes in the world, Al Kaola, the theme from Bonanza. We introduce a tree hugger from North King Country, farming with Tess at Whadipuhunga by the Rangitoto Rangers. Uh, this is Graham Smith, and we believe that you, who practice that sport that most of us know as tug-of-war, t- today speak in terms of power pullers. And we believe they could come in very handy down in Wellington, Graham. Well, there's always the possibility. I mean, the Army doesn't want to tow the vehicles away. We could get people in there with ropes and do it. And uh, the Egyptians proved that with enough rope force, you could move anything. Well... We're heading for autumn after a mainly dry summer. How's the pasture? Pasture's looking good now. We uh, we received quite a bit of rain recently, and that saved us. We had a very hot, dry uh, January, and things went from looking really good pre-Christmas to quite disastrous after Christmas. Uh, production dropped. Uh, everyone was in the same boat. There was a lot of feeding out going on. And then we've got this uh, summer rain finished off with the... Uh, the cyclone that came through and dropped a bit more on us and uh, now I've got quite a bit of grass coming on a lot of it is summer grasses which are low quality for the cows but uh, it's still lifted litres uh, per cow and uh, the cows are happy to have some green feed to munch on apart from silage so that's been really good it gives us a positive outlook too with the large payout due to come this year what the final number will be, I don't know, but I think it's going to be close to $10. Ah, spending splurge from dairy farmers in the offing? Yeah, well, I think so. Um, a lot of, From what I read, a lot of farmers have beaten down their debt because that used to be the big thing. Oh, dairy farmers are too far in debt, country's in trouble, but uh, a series of good payouts has helped the farmers and they've paid back a lot of debt. And I think um, that local businesses will get a lot of support from dairy farmers and, of course, they need it after this COVID lockdown has affected things quite drastically. I think the country businesses probably haven't been as badly affected as the city ones. Um, yeah, so just because farmers need to keep spending and uh, doing things, and uh, I think they've come through quite well. I, I haven't heard many complaints locally. My own son's got a um, glazing business based at Kiki, and he's uh, doing very well, and uh, business is booming. Um, and my wife's uh, uh, gardening business, she's employing more staff, so, and booked through to the end of March, so from that point of view, uh, from what I know locally, small businesses, they're thriving around here anyway. Hey Graham, are you standing next door to a electric fence at the moment, because I can hear a click, click, click comforting sound. Yeah, my, I think my neighbour's got a short, my, it's not my fence, because <laughs> <laughs> my fence uh, it doesn't, it doesn't affect the line at all because of the way it's set up, but the, the, somewhere up the line beyond me and the, the exchange yeah. is, a, is a short speed. Yeah, no, 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 no. It, t- it takes me back to my own farm days. The old electric fence had a few shocks of it, but the, no no problem. But, yeah, no, farmers have to live through COVID. Have you got staff on your farm yet you have to keep an eye on? No, I'm lucky. Uh, well, milking 80 cows, I can do it all by myself. So that's a fair load with the looking after the trees and the timber business as well. But um, I've chosen to go that way, stay small and uh, compact and not have those issues with staff and all the paperwork and the other issues involved. Uh, but my wife has gone the other way and she's employing more. And uh, my son also, he's, a, he's got an apprentice on now as a glazier. So, um, yeah, things are looking really good. Not the crisis that we expected. Pardon? Not the crisis we expected. 
Well, not that I know of, but then when I read the papers, it seems that it's, it's pretty serious amongst uh, restaurants and uh, those sort of places that we use socialise. Uh, people are a bit scared to socialise at the moment in case they catch COVID. I think for all of us, it's a matter of time before we all catch it. Yep. Um, and it's just a matter of when it's convenient to catch it, essentially. And I think the biggest scare is um, if you become a contact with someone who's, who's caught it, um, locking down for so long and it could affect your business like for my business not an issue because I can just stay home and keep working but um, for for businesses in town it becomes a serious issue yeah. and hope your cows don't catch COVID <laughs> yeah no that's that's dead right uh, they uh, seem to be pretty resilient animals um, far more resilient than we are I think when you look at them and um, yeah go, the cows are going well and they're having a happy life here under the trees you feel happy about the way that the government is adapting its planning to take into account the new, more virulent um, strain as far as catching it is concerned? Yeah, I understand why they've d- done what they've done to protect the population and make sure vulnerable people are protected. But I think everyone's had the opportunity now to be protected. And um, if they haven't, well, it's... From my own point of view, I think it's their own fault. They, they just needed to go out and get it done, you know, the vaccines or whatever. Yep. Um, and I think now the country's economy is screaming out to be released, basically, yep. and I think it needs to happen. Um, and that's why we're seeing this, these uh, angry people in Wellington. I'd, I certainly don't agree with the anarchists. I'm, I'm very anti that sort of behaviour. I mean, our ancestors yep. fought in wars to protect us yep. from that sort of behaviour. Yep. I, I, I saw I saw them desecrating the um, monument, the war memorial down in uh, Wellington, and they were using it as an open toilet. I, we just better take a breath here because I've got um, a breaking news story. There are 2,522 new cases in the community as of now. 100 people in hospital with COVID-19. This is the highest number of daily cases since the pandemic began. Now, the breakdown is there are Sunday's new community cases. Northland, 41. Auckland, 1,799. Waikato, 188. Bay of Plenty, 86. Lakes, 11. Hawke's Bay, 24. Mid-Central, 13. Whanganui, 2. Taranaki, 9. Uh, Tarafiti, that's Wellington, of course, 12. Um, yeah, well, Wairapa is 14. Capitan Coast is 54. Hutt Valley, 25. Nelson, Marlborough is 53. Canterbury, 76. South Canterbury, 1. Southern, 111. And unknown, we've got three. So, yep, we've got a very high total day, the highest that has ever been 100 people in hospital. You'll see it more on the news at 6 o'clock tonight. Precisely what the government told us would happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so well, the, uh, the, the forecast is the scientists who told us um, these things would happen with Osomicron, and it's, it's going exactly like they said. I just hope people don't get too sick and the hospitals can cope particularly the nurses and doctors who are going to be put under a lot of duress. Yes. Or it could be a rugby team. Yeah. I'm less worried about the rugby team. I, I think um, uh, the most important thing is the vulnerable people and the people trying to look after them. Um, they're, they're more critical to us than a rugby game. I mean, a rugby game's great, and uh, I love to watch the Chiefs win just like they did last mm. night. Fantastic. The Warriors but, uh, won? 
Oh, the day I didn't know about that. <laughs> the Warriors won. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that super spreader event of the protest in Wellington, and then you've got people like Sir Russell Coots joining them. What? <laughs> Did he? Yes, he's going to join them. I'm amazed. I thought he had more brains than that, but anyway, there you go. Um, <laughs> that, that's how it goes. People, that's, so Peter, this is the problem with this disease. It has divided us. I mean, even in my own family, there's divisions on... Who's, who's vaccinated, who's not, who should be invited to things, and uh, that's caused problems, and, it, and I know it's going on through the whole community like that and creating great divisions. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a sad thing, really, but um, I guess it's made us all value our lives and how we look after them, and I'm sure in the future um, we're going to be a lot smarter about how we deal I don't, with these sort of incursions. I think with the rise in population throughout the world, we're going to get more communicable diseases from animals to humans just because of proximity yep. and numbers and uh, that's going to create future problems and f- I don't see any end to it um, unless some sort of technology comes along to protect us better but it's nature's way of thinning the yep. population a bit too I think that's all, it, it's all coming to fruition so so you you want the mandates to be kept on um, I need to protect the vulnerable yes that's the main I'm yeah, I'm, that's, I have supported it right from the start. Um, I do understand where the others are coming from, though, that want it lifted and their freedoms, but I think we have to give up something to gain something, and the gain is that if old people need to go to hospital for any reason, they can be reasonably well looked after and not get in the queue with unvaccinated people who, who say, oh, look after me, I've got COVID, and these poor people can't get looked after or and or... The nurses and doctors are catching COVID from these people and can't work themselves. I mean, it just—it's a compounding thing, and I'm—I'm I'm much in favour of that. The people who've been vaccinated get uh, help before the unvaccinated in the hospital. I think the unvaccinated have made a conscious choice that that they are resistant to disease and won't get sick, which is a stupidity, of course. But uh, that's how they feel, so they should. Uh, where the consequences and people who get sick through you know heart attacks or whatever should get preferential treatment in my book graham smith of Puhonga, down in the north king country known as a man well he describes himself as a tree hugger <laughs> that's uh, because of your involvement in the um replenishment of the the forest is that it graham yeah well uh, mainly I'm known as it because I grow polonia trees here and I've got, what I've got is a dairy farm with trees interspersed all throughout the cows and I've been experimenting at what rate you can grow these trees per hectare and still grow grass. I've just, we've just had some series of experiments done here and what it proved was that at 100 trees to the hectare, that's too many. So I've spent the summer felling three trees a day and feeding them to my cows instead of silage, and they, the cows absolutely loved them and milked really well on them. <laughs> um, and so that I only have 50 trees to the hectare, and that's yeah. going to be my next stage. Is that the right number? Because um, remembering that I'm claiming carbon credits as well on those trees. How, how much do they go for these days? To, to claim them, sorry? How much do they, those go for these days? You never hear of carbon credits anymore? Oh, I think it's around getting close to 80 bucks for a credit. So, so on my place, um, if, I've, if I've got the adequate stocking rate and I've got 30%, so you have to have 30% canopy coverage on a hectare, you can, get, you can earn between $700 and $1,000 per hectare per year in carbon credits, and that's ongoing for a large number of years. 
Well, that's helpful. It is. It's helpful for, for farmers who, like for me, topping up on a small dairy farm and making it more economical. It's been unhelpful for sheep and beef farmers because their earnings with sheep and beef haven't been that much per hectare, so uh, there's been an opportunity for some who want to get out to sell to people who want to plant the whole farms and trees, and of course then you lose all the, the downstream industries that, that come from sheep and beef farming, like uh, schools and frizzy works and all those other things, trucking companies, and so um, there's been a, quite a bit of resistance amongst that, that community. Um, yeah, and I, the, I think the answer is to do what I'm doing here, and that is run trees with cows. Don't get rid of the animals. Plant the trees, by all means, claim the credits, but you don't have to smother the whole land in trees and still get the credits. You can leave the grass growing as well, and the country wins two ways that yep. way. Diversify. That was the cash cry? Yep. That's right. Yep. And, and I suppose you've got loads of firewood there too, have you? I have. I've got a barn full of firewood. <laughs> it's always... It's always um, easy to get here, I, and I have a few few friends out who want it as well. And and uh, I miss an open fire. Good stuff in the winter time. Absolutely, it's yeah. part of our cultural heritage, isn't it? Yep. Going, yep. everybody's yep. Uh, ancestors survived with fire in a cave or in a small house or whatever uh, over all these years, and fire is still a critical factor for humans. Hey, we've we've got to go. Thank you for your time this uh, Sunday afternoon, and be safe. Okay, thank you. That's a pleasure. Bye bye. Yeah. You're a good old, good old King Country farmer, Mel. The, the heart of the country down there. I wonder. Where, I forgot to ask when the old King Country rugby team is uh, going to take the field again. Anyway, moving on. It's time for a sing song. I think at this time of the afternoon. Rambling.
the late great Nat King Cole, Ramblin' Rose. Um, if you want to check out where the sites of interest in Hamilton and Waikato are for COVID-19, go to the health, the Ministry of Health website. I can't bring it up right here at the moment. Just check it out. And um, if you feel with a bit of a sore throat, just go and get checked out this afternoon. There must be some sites open in Hamilton this afternoon. But uh, just don't turn up. Uh, the Ministry is warning they're... they're it's a bit overwhelming for the guys and um, and girls. So if you just got a tickle in the throat, just go and get yourself checked out. But uh, stay away if you, you feel all right. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to my mate J.D. about trains, and you came up with a train song that was featured in the rail ad at the time. It uh, was uh, Rail Freight. And I was having a bit of a discussion with J.D., who knows everything about trains from the wheels to the screws and everything else and the coal. And um, he said it was an original song. Well, it is, uh, sorry, J.D., if you're listening. It's, um, it was based on a song by Frankie Lane and it, uh, a television series that featured the one and only Clint Eastwood. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Strings are swollen, keep them doggies rolling raw hide. Through rain and wind and weather, hell bent for leather, wishing my gal was by my side. All the things I'm missing, good vittles, love and kissing, are waiting at the end of my ride. Move them out, hit them up, hit them up, move them out, hit them up raw high. Ride him in, ride him in, cut him out, cut him out. Ride him in raw. Ha! Ha! Keep moving, moving, moving. Oh, they're disapproving. Keep them doggies moving raw. Don't try to understand them. Just rope and throw and brand them. Soon we'll be living high and wide. The late Frankie Lane, Rawhide. That is, of course, the tune that New Zealand Rail used in their rail freight ad. 17 to 2 mil. The German Luftwaffe found it a tempting target, but for half a million Sheffield citizens cramped for space, where the rivers sheaf and Don join, it's a nightmare. The bombers came while babies beneath them defied death, being born regardless of the Nazi onslaught. One of them joins us now, all grown up, mercifully without any memory of most of the Second World War, Patricia Gregory, JP of Hamilton. Hi, Patricia. Hello. What do you remember? Thankfully, 
the girl they christened Patricia, that's you, and your four siblings being unscathed by war, lived to see the peace. But it was a Britain bruised and battered by nearly five years at war. Remember the rationing, its impact on children's welfare? Mm-hmm. Yes, I remember all of that quite well, actually, and I do even remember an air raid sound. I'm not quite sure why, but I think my first memories of the war, when I was about four years old, are seeing bomb craters um, in the ground where bombs had been dropped over Sheffield. Being a steel-producing city... We were targets for the Luftwaffe because obviously we made parts for aeroplane engines and things like that. Uh, And, um, yeah, years after the war, of course, there was, it took many years to repair the damage. uh, And, um, yeah, I do remember, I remember on a number of occasions seeing these huge craters. They were like volcano craters. The other thing, I remember a number of things about the war. One was that houses that used to have railings around them, the railings were gone uh, because in the war effort, um, the government could seize anything that they could make steel with. And so uh, railings around houses were um, just just taken away. You had no choice. And you remember and the... I, I remember seeing just the gaps where they should have been. Obviously, I didn't remember them being taken away. Yeah, there were lots of things like that. The mm-hmm. rationing? Oh, rationing, I remember. That went on until the 50s, actually, ration cards. Um, we had two ounces of butter a week. Um, we had so much tea, so much sugar. I remember taking coupons and swapping them for mum, you know, someone might, we might want some sugar and they might want tea, so we would swap a coupon and things like that. Um, even shoes, I can remember going to school with holes in my shoes and putting pieces of cardboard in there. And if it was a wet day, of course, the cardboard would get soggy and your feet would be cold and wet all day. But if your mother didn't have a coupon to buy a pair of shoes, then or the money to buy them either. Well, then that was the best you could do. Well, here, here's a little treat for you because on May 20, 1944, in Crooks and Sheffield, a certain UK rock star was born. His name was John Robert Joe Cocker, OBE. He was uh-huh. he, he was born in World War Two, so he was a World War Two baby. Right. Well, funnily enough, my mother moved and father moved to live up, uh, up Crooks. It used to be you lived up Crooks because it was high up on the Pennine chain, on the borders of the Pennine chain. So that's interesting. I didn't know that he was um, born in Crooks. That's interesting. Yeah, I, no, no. I did know he was born in Sheffield. Yeah, Yeah, probably not, not one of your favourite music artists. No, not at all. <laughs> but I do remember Bill Haley and Rock Around the Clock when I was about... 14, and I can remember queuing to buy a ticket for the concert, and uh, um, by the time I got to the front of the queue, all the tickets had gone, 
And rock and roll was really, oh, wow, it was really in for dig. We, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> actually, I never actually uh, got into rock and roll. It was, um, I was more a waltz and foxtrot girl, but I, I remember that very well, yeah. Eighty years on from your birth, Pat, during the war, we know that Sheffield products are still famous for high quality, mm-hmm. such as Sheffield steel cutlery, iron and yeah. brass manufacture, centre for machinery, yeah. instruments, electroplating. But it's, yes, a city, it's a city, though, that you left behind. How did all that happen? Well, I, I, I left New England when I was 19 years old. Um, I met my husband at a motorbike club and he had applied to um, come on the immigration scheme to New Zealand Uh, and when I met him I was 16 and you couldn't apply to come on the immigration scheme until you were 18 uh, if you were coming on your own as a single person. So I didn't apply, um, and but we got engaged, and we actually planned our marriage, our wedding. And then just six weeks before the wedding, um, my fiancé, as he was then, got um, told that he had a, a place on a ship on its maiden voyage to New Zealand, the Moana Roa, which used to um, ply all the islands, supply all the islands with goods and food and so on. And it had been finished up in Glasgow, and they, last minute they decided to send 30 men on it on its maiden voyage. So we cancelled the wedding. I, I didn't fancy being married a few weeks and my husband going off. And so off he went, and I applied to come to New Zealand. And um, I came, he arrived here in October, and I arrived in February on one of the first two plane loads of immigrants. They um, did three plane loads as an experiment, and I was on the second one. Uh, and I arrived here on February the 6th. Yeah. And, so, and um, were you classified as one of those 10-pound palms? No, we didn't pay a penny. Good no, stuff. I hadn't paid nothing at all. It was 10, I think it was Australia that paid the 10-pound palms. I, I don't know whether they ever did it for New Zealand, but I certainly didn't pay ten pounds. <laughs> I, I I just listen here, listening to your beautiful English accent. It is still there, years on from coming out from yeah. the motherland. Yes, it's quite funny, Bruce, because um, when I go back home, which I uh, in latter years I went every year. My mother only died a couple of years ago, and so I used to go each year to see her. Um, whenever I went back to Sheffield, people would say to me, oh, you do talk funny. <laughs> and then I come back here and people always know, I've been here 60 years now, and yeah. still people say, oh, you, you know, you've got that accent. You, so, yeah. Your, your accent sounds like very call the midwife or something like that. Well, the call the midwife is taking place in the very years that I was the age that those nurses are. Um, I was born in 42, uh, and the call the midwife's in the 50s, so I would have been in my teenage years then. 
And I can relate to so much. I remember the thalidomide business that's been on. I remember the orange juice, the clinics. Um, I, I remember all of that. It's very, I love that program because it does bring home back to yeah. me. Because, to, because today is the anniversary of the Queen being 70 years on the throne this day. So. Yes. Yes, well, I actually, I love the Queen. I'm a very much a royalist and I think that she has been a wonderful figurehead for the Commonwealth. Um, yeah, um, and I, I love the, I know it sounds silly, but even now I love the hype that the royal family brings. You know, that nobody does things like they do, the coronation, the changing of the guard, um, you know, all those amazing things that only the Brits can do. And I, uh, ident- I identify with that as my heritage, yeah, I, I, I even su- though I'm a Kiwi. I suppose you're not a fan of Prince Harry at the moment. Well, no, no, I'm not. But I feel a bit sorry for Harry. Uh, I'm certainly not a prince, a fan of Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's. Uh, I saw a story yesterday that a friend of Andrew's has said that that photo showing uh, uh, him and the two women. It's it's uh, it's false. It, it's probably been photoshopped and all that. Yeah. Well, who knows? Who knows? They. I mean. <laughs> It's very difficult to know what's truth and what's not these days, isn't it? The way that people can change things. So for... You know what I mean? You know, we hear the news and sometimes it's completely different to... I remember I went on holiday once to, of all places, Israel, and there was a, a very bad incident while I was over there and I happened to be in the city where it took place at the time. And um, when my family and people back here in New Zealand told me how they worried about my, you know, whether I would come back here in a box, (laughs) a coffin, um, the reporting in the newspapers was nothing like what actually happened. So we don't always get the truth in our media, I'm afraid. And you, who are in support of the monarchy, must have found it a very different setting when you came to New Zealand, Pat. Well, uh, in the first days, it wasn't. I mean, people loved the monarchy then. Um, yeah. Um, so I don't know that I noticed much difference then. Don't forget, when I came here, we got married almost straight away, well, within six months. And a year and a day later, we had our first child, and 14 months later, our second child. So, um by the time I was 21, I was a housewife with two children. Um, and five years later, I had another one. So, you know, in those early years, my life was taken up with with just the ordinary mundane things. It was later and, on that... And as life went on, you became bound up in local politics here. And yeah. your life changed into a new phase. We'd like to invite yeah. you, Pat, to come along to our program when you would might might like to go over the career that you had in local politics and the letter writing to the editors and all those things for which you're well known <laughs> we love to talk um, we love to talk and I'll, I'll bring some soundtrack stuff from the television series heartbeat with me next time we talk to you oh 
that's lovely. I like that program too. Yeah. Hey, yeah, thanks. So hey, thanks. hey we, we may speak next week. Thank you, Pat. Bye bye. Bye. Okay. Well, thank bye. you for for talking to me. Bye uh, for now. Bye-bye. Pat Gregory, JP. JP. And from one, 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 one star to another, good afternoon, Trevor. Oh, good afternoon. Thanks for the promotion for a star. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor's <laughs> talk. Oh, how's it going, everyone? Uh, I, I want to uh, talk about quality to animals. It's one thing I can't stand is that. And I'm talking about Mark Todd, who's on the news whipping ten times of a long stick of great force, a horse that wouldn't cross some water. Yep. And I, I was quite shocked to see that. I, Although he's got a knighthood and everything, I always thought he was compassionate with horses, but I got that wrong. Yep. Another thing I don't really particularly like, and I think is potential cruelty there, and that is uh, show jumping, where they don't just jump over a, a rod that's supported by a couple of poles, they're jumping over concrete slabs that are quite high, yeah. and one misjudgment by a horse could potentially mean a broken leg and instant uh, put down with a gun. Now, all these sort of things are very cruel. And another thing that a lot of people may not notice, horse racing. They use a riding crop, and towards the end of the race, they really lay into the horses to make them go faster. They should be banned. Oh, well, hey, sorry, we have to leave it there for the day. Trevor, have a great week. And um, our, our friend from the museum, sorry, the art gallery in Frankton says hello to you. I was talking to her last night. Oh, because you still remember me. She does, <laughs> and she gives all the best to you. And for Pat, we've got a song from the Beatles to go out with. <laughs> Their first big hit in the UK. Stand by for Harmony Waikato. This is the Beatles and Love Me Do. Good afternoon, all. Love, love me do. You know I love you. I'll always be true. So please love me do.
Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.